I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life that happens between them. So we've been threatening to talk about kids for a while, and we finally got around to it, I guess, yeah? At least we're not threatening our kids. We are not threatening our kids. No. Sometimes we threaten them with loss of screens or... Groundings or... That's not, like, threatening. No. So... They haven't... They have... mm, I was going to say they haven't needed it, but two of them haven't needed it very much lately. Well, one of them always needs more management than the other. Yeah. Well, okay, for a while the other one did too. But anyhow, the point is that we've had better things going on for them and... Yay! And that's what we could talk about. Yeah, number one did need more management for a while, but he seems to be on the downslope of teenage angst. Yeah, the early puberty that we were regretting, uh, we are now appreciating because he's getting on the other side of it. Yes, thank goodness. Now he's just a quirky young adult, and it's kind of awesome. Yeah, he talks to people. He does talk to people, and he's keeping his grades up. Yes. He has all A's and B's right now. That is really amazing. Yay. Because he doesn't like schoolwork. He finds it tedious. Most of us do. Yeah. I, re- I'm, I recall finding it tedious, but also wanting my grades to be right. I'm currently finding work to be tedious. I was up until almost one o'clock last night trying to finish a paper, well, but I still get it done. Because you want the grades and you want to. I, I want the receipts that say, I know how to do the thing I want to do. Right. That's basically it. Right. And that's what a lot of schooling is. And I think he's finally figured that out. If I know the stuff, I have to show them that I know the stuff so that I can get the paper that says I know the stuff. Yes. And he's less resistant about that than ever before. And it's kind of great. So I'm digging it. Yeah. And because he's keeping his grades up, he was offered the opportunity now to take driver's ed. You offered that to him last year. I did. You said, if you get your grades up, you'll be able to take driver's ed next year. And he looked at you like, why? (laughs) He had no concept of why that would be a useful thing. And I brought it up again this term. Which is typical of lots of people with autism. They have less interest in driving a one-ton vehicle around. It's kind of a big thing. And in fact, I even heard a story recently on, I think it was NPR, about some, you know, completely otherwise normal adult neurotypical average guy who never learned to drive until he was in his 30s because he was really scared of the giant projectile weapon that he would be traveling inside of. They often describe it that way uh, when I was going to school, you know, young liberals talking about killing machines. (laughs) So we're going to teach our boy to drive the killing machine now. No. No? No. He doesn't want it to be that. He doesn't. And he didn't even really want to do it at all. At first, he said he was trying to sort of halfway still avoid it by pointing out that he intends to move to the UK when he turns 18. Yes, and be with his girlfriend. He wants to live there. And I think that's a perfectly acceptable thing. You know, helped him look up what are the visa regulations and what are the expectations for immigration and so on. But he, he said, but aren't the rules for driving different there? Driving a vehicle is the same procedure. And he said, oh. Yes, there are different rules, number one child. But the skills are going to be the same. 
You need to learn the skills. Right. And his father drives now. My understanding was his father doesn't love driving and he sees his father drive, so... So he's finally looking at the possibility of taking driver's ed over Christmas break, and we'll see if that actually happens. I haven't formally registered him for it yet, because I, I'm I, still expecting him halfway to uh, back out of it. I don't think you should give him the chance to back out of it. If it's already his understanding that you're going to sign him up for it, I think you just talk about it every week like we usually do with him, where where something new is going to be coming up. We talk about it with him every week and say, hey, when you take driver's ed, do you think you'll want to walk up there? Or if there's snow, you'll want me to drive you? Or, you know, just those little things that remind him that that's coming up and he can kind of get that in his mind. Talk about it at dinner or something like that. Like, number two child will be very surprised that his brother finally does want to learn how to drive. All those little things that help smooth out those neural pathways to engage them when it comes time to actually do the task of sitting in a class and learning how to drive. Do they have simulators? Like They do not have simulators. And we would have online? to. The problem with the online is that if you don't have the actual pedals and the actual steering wheel thing, then it's just pushing a bunch of buttons. I would want him to, if he's going to take an online course or a simulated course, I would want him to have the peripherals to practice the kinesthetic coordination parts of braking and accelerating and steering. Okay, well... So we'll see. We'll see if we need to do that or not. I mean, another thing we can mention to him in the prep for that is, have you talked to your dad about your driving class you're going to take? Does your dad have any tips about driving? That's good. His, his dad's always a good sell. Yes. And number two will be interested to see how it works, and he'll want to ride along. He can't. He can't. No. That's not the, allowed. The laws, well, it's hard enough for me to drive with that child in the car, and I've been driving <laughs> way longer. It's true. But you can't drive with a person your age or younger, like somebody under 18 maybe it is, in our state for a certain amount of months after you receive your license. Correct. So he will not have to worry about siblings in the car. And he won't even, for this driver's ed class, get any actual in-car time. I think it's the book learning that gets you your permit to do your practice time with an adult with his aunt, also known as my work wife, who teaches all the children to drive. Yes, because she actually did take, like, stunt driving school. She liked that, yeah. That's fun. Stunt driving and teaching teenagers to drive. That's very similar, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, number two was number doing so good two. at the beginning of the school year. It was doing really good. For almost a month. When we had the first parent-teacher meeting that his mom went to with me, he was still doing really good. And academically, he's doing well for his capacity. Yes, he's he's staying within a certain range behind what is expected of individuals of his age and grade level. He's not falling off of the curve, as it were. He's still staying near the bottom of the curve, but he's tracking right. up the curve along with the rest of his classmates. And, and that's where he's always been with all the help programs he's had. The programs that he's had of assistance have kept him there. And the teacher he has now is probably doing some of that as well because she's very aware of his capacities having been his special ed teacher. 
So, but he, he's having trouble with his toileting. He is having trouble with toileting again. And I don't know how much of this is a developmental thing and how much of this is a he seems to be under the weather thing. It's nice of you to say again, because really it's still. It's just that it's gotten worse again. Yes, it has. But he, he was able to manage for almost an entire year when the expectation was if you can manage for a month, you can go to the gymnastics class. Well, he liked that class that our favorite babysitter and his old teacher took him to last night. Maybe I can try that. Yeah. You can go to this class if you can get yourself managed. And that will tell me if he's capable of managing it or not, because he'll want to bad enough. Right. And see, that's the thing, because with sensory integration disorder, it's not uncommon for kids just to not feel it. But in this case, I think he, there's some balance of he feels it less than other kids do, and he cares less than other kids do. Yes. Sometimes he doesn't notice it until too late. And so he really just needs to go on a schedule like his doctor has instructed. And I might be able to convince him to maintain that schedule if he has a goal in mind, right. such as an activity class that he'd like to go to. And he does have a schedule assigned to him during the school day by his teacher. And this was part of the second meeting we had for him for his IEP. Right. Was that she said, we need to actually write this into his schooling plan because otherwise he's going to get to third grade. And by third grade, the teacher doesn't expect that at all. And we really need to have it written down somewhere. Because otherwise he'll be asking to use the bathroom and a third grade teacher might say, no, you need to wait. And she needs to send him on a schedule, which is what they put in the IEP. Right. So that will go with him as he starts third grade. He'll already have in place that he needs to go on a schedule and... He's less likely to have accidents. He will be. We uh, hope. Yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Is his med that helps more with that not as strong because he's growing? And is he metabolizing it fast? Is he feeling a little under the weather? And so he's throwing out the meds with... And that's what the doctor said before is that when his immune system is on high alert, it also filters out not only the germs, but also potentially can filter out the meds as well. Mm -hmm. so, so, I mean, he even messed himself when he had his friend come over to visit. I think those situations lean towards the part of him that is a bit like a three-year-old that doesn't want to stop playing. Yeah. And he, he might be not sure if he has to go, but he's going to ignore it. Because he's used to ignoring it, and he doesn't even feel it once it gets there, you know. Once he's walking around with a load, he doesn't even feel it then. So he, he doesn't want to stop playing. No, he doesn't. To go sit on the toilet. But everybody else wants to stop playing with him once he starts to stink. Yeah. I'm going to try the class he was interested in last night. and We'll see if that can become a motivating uh, reward yeah. for hey, we toileting can, management. We can go to this class, but we're going to have to work on this first. Right. Because she said they might have a kid's class in December, Ooh. starting in December. Right. And that she can get a discount because she's already a member. Oh, that would be great. Yeah. So, that would be totally great. He so does we'll need more physical out. activity. Yeah. We're lucky that his school does have PE, but they only have it once a week. Well, this is a kickboxing, and I saw we saw the video with him punching the punching bag. It would be a way for him to learn to do that in an appropriate setting. And that's good because he really does gravitate towards violence and physical power and means of overpowering others when he feels so powerless about his own developmental and emotional state that he tends to try and engage anytime there is, for example, a gun or a bow and arrow toy, anytime there is an opportunity to tell somebody 
to mansplain. <laughs> he does the most mansplaining of anybody I know. He does, and it's Now so that funny. I know what that is. We have actually designed now this cue for number three child that when he is mansplaining and just talking nonsense, like, oh, the sky is blue because God smashed some blueberries or something stupid <laughs> like that, that we just touch our nose while we say, okay... And number Move three on. child knows that he's talking nonsense, but I don't need to address his nonsense. Because she really wants to address his nonsense. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, that is not how it works. Let me explain the science of this to you. She does. And we've had this or the reality of it with her before of, you know, yes, you are a very bright young lady. Yes, you see a lot of errors in other people's logic, reasoning, or understandings, but you don't need to correct them every time. And in fact, you don't need to correct them ever unless them being wrong is going to have some negative consequences. She gets really mad though. The look on her face gets all twisted up and she's like, that is wrong. She she would totally be the kind of person who would get in arguments on the internet. Yeah, well, that's going to be... Somebody is wrong and I must correct them. <laughs> I, I don't feel that way about no. most things. I, I question myself sometimes. Should I bother to ask? Most of the time my answer is no. Of course, that's my avoidance of people, but... There you go. Well, there is that. Mm. <laughs> engaging with other people to correct them involves engaging with other people. <laughs> yeah, my job has enough engaging with other people to suffice. Yeah, no thank you. My limitations are usually reached by that. But she's in this GT class now, this gifted, talented, academically advanced type class. And when we had her meeting with her teachers, they said, oh, she's the most wonderful kid we could ever ask for. And we're so glad she's in this class. And I was kind of thinking, do they just say this to all the helicopter parents because we live in a upper middle class neighborhood and our school is an upper middle class school and the gifted kids are usually the lawyer's kids and the doctor's kids and the teacher's kids. And I remember this from being in a gifted class growing up. And my parents were, you know, an office assistant and a electrician mm -hmm. who were, you know, hippie burnouts. And I remember all the other kids being upper middle class and being very confused by their habits and their choices. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm hearing them tell me all of these great things about my kid, I'm thinking, that's very nice. I'm glad you think so. I'm hoping you really think so. Mm -hmm. But then I went with her to their pumpkin chunkin event. Mm -hmm. And the class built catapults. And in the high school division, they were actually throwing these good size, bigger than your head pumpkins. And in the middle school division, they would throw slightly smaller than your head pumpkins. And in the elementary division, the fourth and fifth graders would throw about as big as your fist size pumpkins. And the second and third graders would throw golf balls. Golf balls would hurt more than a pumpkin, really. Yeah, but they, they, they're scaling up the size of the... If they're throwing things, there's nobody in the way. There is nobody in the way. They had, you know, clear guidelines for how this works and where you stand during the competition and everything else. But the other students there, I had to laugh because half of them are these kids like our number one who was also in a gifted class at the same time as being in a social, emotional, developmental class. 
Mm-hmm. And they're all these really quirky, but really bright kids. And then there's our kid and I'm thinking, okay, maybe she is a good addition to their class because she does thankfully actually have some social skills. And it sounds Some interest in social skills some too. Some <laughs> interest in developing social skills. Yes. And so it was really neat to see her there interacting with her other classmates. She seems to be popular, which also kind of boggles me. I I don't... Well, because your first child never considered that option. (laughs) No, he didn't. And when I was a kid, I didn't either because it just wasn't an option for me being a different kind of kid from a different kind of family. And so... Shocking. I'm sure that I wasn't interested. I'm terribly shocked. (laughs) But (laughs) the day of... The event, which was like entire countywide, all the schools with any sort of drafting program or shop program in their middle or high school participated, and the elementaries with any sort of advanced placement or gifted program were all participating. And our number two child wanted to go along. He did. He wanted to. He wanted That was to. about as far as it went. He didn't want to enough to actually earn... The, well, the right to leave the house that day. Okay, and the, the right to leave the house would have been a given, but he was misbehaving so badly, he couldn't get a hold of himself and to the point where he gets sent to a timeout and then he, he tells you, I never want to see your face again. And I'm thinking, then you're not going anywhere and then you don't have to see anybody's face. Right? And that's his thing anytime he gets in trouble lately. Anytime he would get in any sort of trouble, he would not take the trouble as oh, I need to stop now. He would take it as escalate, 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 try and take control of the situation instead of trying to take control of his own behavior. Yeah, that is his usual approach. You said you felt bad leaving me with two semi-naughty boys while you took her to the event, and I told you they deserved me. They did. (laughs) They totally did. Because I was sick. They would just have to put up with me. Yeah, you were still sick. And so you just sort of laid in bed and made the teenager help and did not a lot of anything. And they didn't get to do a lot of anything either. They dealt with themselves and eventually he calmed down. He did eventually calm down. Yeah, he just needed a time and space to do that, I guess. Yeah. So when I got home that day, then you did end up going back to urgent care. I did, because they had told me the day before, if you don't feel better, come back tomorrow or go to the ER. And I thought, well, let me look at the app and see where the weights are the shortest. And it wasn't short there, but they do have imaging there, and they said they might do an x-ray. So I logged on and got in line online, and then I went over there when it was time. And that was interesting to me, again, from a transition person's view The person sitting at the desk was the MA from the day before and strikes me as a typical cisgendered straight person. Yeah. And so she was a little flirty with me. And that's always funny (laughs) to me because... Straight ladies were never flirty with me as a dyke, you know. That that generally would be the definition of straight ladies. I, I know, I know, <laughs> but I'm just saying, you know, yeah. like not even remotely. Yeah. So when they autom- automatically do this now, it's always like, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, she's like, what are you doing here again? And I said, well, the... What, were, what was it, APRN or something like that, said, come back if I didn't feel better. So here I am. I don't feel better. <laughs> and uh, she said, okay. You know, here's, and I just realized as I'm saying this, what she started to do was exactly what I was telling our friend yesterday. It's this thing, and it happened a couple times that day, but now that I realize it, it also happened as soon as I walked in. 
I'm a man, so everybody will listen to me. However, none of the women will believe I know what I'm doing, and they will do it themselves. And that's what I explained to our friend yesterday, the one that, that has been on before about religion. I was telling him about this. I said, whenever I go somewhere, you know, women do everything for me. And I realize it's because they don't believe I know what I'm doing. So she didn't notice that I had signed in online. I believe I even said that. But she just started going online and saying, well, we don't have CT scans today over here. We They do have them at the other office down the street. And I can send you over there. And their wait time is shorter. There's only one person in front of you. Ours is about an hour. And I said, well, I signed in online. And she was doing all this and signing me in and putting me on their list. And then she goes, oh, wait, you are signed in over here. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I am. But you know. It's funny to me how that weird balance of generally people will assume your competence and assume that you deserve to be heard, but not completely accept your competence. No, I might be mansplaining to them or something. You might be. Whereas women, nobody's going to assume their competence about anything. But once they have demonstrated their competence quite entirely thoroughly, then people will actually give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, and also, as a woman, she would believe another woman. Yeah. As a man, she would not. Or he right. would not. So then they saw me, and they were all women. You know, the... MAs, everybody was women. So I had this experience the whole time, you know, and it was, it's just funny to me. As my, my friend said yesterday, you, it's like you've lived in two worlds. And, it, you know, with that experience, the experience is so different. He was wrapping his mind around what that experience would be like. Like he, he forced himself to be aware as a white guy, what being a white guy was like. But male privilege is still something that it's harder for him to force himself to see because he hasn't seen the other side of it, and there's no way for him to see it. No. So in any case, they saw me, and they said, okay, let's do an x-ray first, which we can do here. So she gave me a, a gown to put on, and she... A what? A, a gown. <laughs> Wait, let me go back. As she's talking to me, she did pretty much the same thing the APRN did the day before, where she noted that I was transgender and asked me about surgeries because the pain I was having was pertaining to my abdomen, and it would be good to know what kind of surgeries I've had. Yes. So that makes sense to me. She did not, however, ask if I was sexually active or with men or women like the other one did. Right. So then she gave me one of those flimsy gowns that they tie up in the back, and there I said it again. It just comes out like that. You, you add a D to the word gown. I don't know why. I don't either. And you can write it correctly, and you know what, what the letters should be and what the sounds ought to be, but it's just not the way it's pronounced somewhere in your brain. No. Somewhere along the way when you were having your formative linguistic experiences, someone mispronounced a whole bunch of these words. They did. <laughs> I'm sorry. They were probably intoxicated. But anyhow, <laughs> um, so she gave me this gown and... Yay, you said it right. I have to concentrate. It's a word. <laughs> so, and then the MA came in to give me something and she looked at me and she she left. She said, why'd they give you such a small gown? It looks like you're wearing a, a miniskirt. And I was like, I just shrugged my shoulders like, I don't know. And I don't care. <laughs> and she, she said, let me get, would you like a bigger one? I said, I guess. It would probably be warmer because I was still cold since I was still not feeling well. Right. I had a fever. And... 
the fever had gone down very slightly, mm-hmm. which means a little bit of antibiotics I had were helping somehow, but not doing what I needed them to. She gave me a bigger gown, and that was nice because it was longer and warmer. But I thought it was funny that, you know, it was a concern to her that I was wearing a miniskirt. And then when I uh, went to the x-rays, that was fine. That The woman who did that, she had an accent, like a Islander accent, like a Caribbean or some type of accent like that. And to me, she was more concentrating on what she was doing and not concerned that I was a man and wasn't going to listen or something. Then I went back and the person who brought me the barium drinks, which I sent you a picture of. You did. I did. I said, look, I get to have vanilla smoothie. And you said, I don't think it... Because it says creamy vanilla, and it's a barium drink for a digestive CT scan. And I said, I think creamy vanilla is overselling it just a bit. Yeah, I said it might be, but I was really hungry and I didn't care. (laughs) And she gave me those and was instructing me. And she told me twice to drink the one that said two o'clock now, because it was two o'clock, which I understood, but I didn't get to answer first before she told me again. And then I went off to the CT scan place with my little drink that I had to drink an hour and a half later and took a little nap in the car because this is about how I was feeling. Yep. And then I uh, went in and... Did you go to Home Depot? I did. I I went into Home Depot first. I knew I'd be doing the old guy shuffle because I wasn't feeling very good, but I thought if I park close (laughs) enough... Because it was right next to the CT scan place. So I went over to Home Depot because I knew it would make me happy if I had another can of spray sealer for the bushes that got pulled out so I could spray those roots. Because the one I have is very sticky and thick. And I thought, you know, I'll just go get myself something nice like a can of spray sealer at the hardware store. (laughs) It will make me happy. (laughs) I'll shuffle through. You know, and I really have the old, had the old guy shuffle. And of course, the spray sealers all the way in the garden section. And being the old guy in the situation I'm in, I need to go to the other end of the store to use the bathroom as soon as I find the can of spray sealer. Yeah. And then shuffle back to the car and go take a nap. So I go inside the CT scan place to check in and I have the paper they printed for me. And, you know, being the guy I am, I didn't read it. I just read the things that they wrote bigger because they knew I wasn't going to read it. (laughs) (laughs) And the bigger part, they put what time to be there and what time to check in. Apparently, according to the woman at the desk, they had scheduled it for the next day. And I said to her, well, they told me to drink these now. But because I'm a man, she's not going to believe me. Now I realize also she has to call over there and confirm, you know, and change it in the book, in the computer book or whatever and get it fixed. But the look on her face and her tone of voice is, right, let me find out what's really going on here and call the women who scheduled this. <laughs> and I'm like, I know this drill, so I'm just going to do what I'm told. I went and sat down and then she called me over. And I do get some credit for being a cooperative guy. Like they, they're kind of skeptical at first. But you do what the women tell you and so, you don't try and mansplain it back to them. No. So they, they like that. And I understand that because when I had to deal with men mansplaining all the time and doing the things that men do, I didn't believe shit about what they were saying either. Because how was I supposed to know if they weren't just talking down to me? Because most of the time, even if they were talking about something sensible, their tone of voice was still talking down to you. Yeah. And that that was probably like I've talked about in another episode. The first thing I noticed as a visible man is that men were no longer talking down to me and listened. So 
I got the CT scan. The woman who did the CT scan was kind of the same way, like, okay, I'm talking to this guy, so let me make sure he's paying attention. I have some questions for you. Sit down there. And she stood there with her clipboard and asked me questions, you know, do Mm -hmm. I have my kidneys? Do I have diabetes? Stuff like that. And I looked at her like I'm paying attention because I didn't grow up not paying attention to what women were saying. So I pay attention when they're talking and it seems to work well. That's good. If there's any cisgendered guys that need to know that. Pay attention to women when they talk and they will treat you better. Yeah. So the result. You will get laid more. No, the result of the CT scan, dear. Oh. That's your man brain. (laughs) Sorry. It's okay. I'm used to it. And there are advantages there. But anyhow, (laughs) uh, the CT scan person says, so is she going to call you in this tone of voice that says to me, they figured out what it is. Like she can see what it is. And I said, yes. And so I came home and sat down with some food because I was done with this. You can't eat anything. Your stomach will hurt. I was too hungry to care. And I sat down with a plate of food and started eating solid food just because I needed to. Even after drinking the Roto-Rooter juice, which meant that all of your digestive muscles were going to cramp around whatever you put in it. I was surprised they did not. And I think that they designed that stuff of, your stomach hurts so bad, you need a CT scan and have to drink this. Let's make it so it doesn't make it hurt more. Right. Because it didn't bother my stomach at all. Okay. But I sat down to eat a plate of solid food, and then the doctor called the APRN. And you had just taken, what, like two bites? No, I took more bites than that by then. But she's on the phone with me, and you can hear her, and she's saying, so it looks like you have an infection and diverticulitis. We're going to give you two antibiotics. One of them you can't have any calcium or iron or minerals with, and the other one you have to take with food. And it would be recommended that you go on a liquid diet for a few days. And I'm looking at you across the table, and I look at my plate of food, and I shake my head no at you like, I am not giving up this plate of food. (laughs) I am not. I will chew it really well. It will be liquid by the time you swallow. It will. (laughs) There you go. But I'm not giving it up. (laughs) And uh, you're looking at me like, yeah, well, because, you know, that's the man brain part of you. Go ahead, do what you want. Right. Because if you had more woman brain in there instead of just man brain and mom brain, you'd be looking at me like, you shouldn't be doing that. And you know that. But you don't look at me like that. Why the fuck would I look at you like that? That's completely not useful. That's not the way you are. But women who are like that think that's useful like I'm telling you because I care about you. And I understand what they're saying. It's just that you don't want to listen. So... (laughs) Uh, True. So I sent you, first we gave her the poor lady a runaround because I was thinking the pharmacy was going to close. Because when you're really sick, you can't think right. And I know that, but I have to try. And so she asks which pharmacy she should send these prescriptions to at like 5.45 in the afternoon on a Sunday when the majority of the pharmacies in our area close early on Sunday. They close at 4 or 5. And so I start Googling while you guys are like, okay, so there's one 24-hour pharmacy downtown in the city. Well, and the other one was way out by where I had gone to get the CT scan. But that's nowhere near our house. Right. She was busy explaining to me how I could go to a facility closer to my house. And I'm really quick Googling in that moment while you guys are trying to figure this out on the phone. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. There's a pharmacy just around the corner from us. Let me see on the off chance. And hey, look, they don't close till six. 
Right, but if you went right over there and waited for it while it was coming through their computer system, Mm because it used to be faxed, they could see that you were waiting for it and get it for you right away. Yes, and that's what we did. Yeah, I tried to tell her that that I had picked that one because they had a 22-minute wait time on the first day I went versus an hour and 41 minutes like the other place. And she was just looking at the place that you had gone to and trying to find a pharmacy near it. Yeah, and trying to understand why the hell I went so far. It's only 10 minutes farther drive. But I wasn't doing it again. No. And the pharmacy was a little farther than that. So I have to take these antibiotics that basically I figured out you can't eat with one of them and you, you're supposed to eat with the other one. And there's an amount of timing to it. Like I get up in the morning and I take the one that you can't have food with because the food, you can't have anything with calcium or iron. Okay, I can't find anything with both of those gone that actually is nutrition and doesn't make me still hungry. Why bother eating it? Right. So my choice is get up early, take it, and then wait two hours to eat. Right. I can have coffee with a fake creamer in it. There you go. It's not tasty. It's not tasty. So I just have a couple sips Number of Number one that. child thinks it's tasty. I know. His coffee taste buds with the are fake br- creamer. The guy who puts ranch on everything, that tells me that he doesn't have any taste buds. And as a teenager, I don't think you need them. Mm, fair. So. So you're better and our kids are snots. Is that our recap? <laughs> They're not snots. They're just sometimes naughty. And since they're not home right now, I'm more forgiving of that. Oh, I'm glad. (laughs) We finally got them to go away. Wait, I should say that nicer. We finally um, were able to work with their other parents for them to have visitation. Yes. And I suppose it doesn't sound right to say go away, but lots of parents are saying go away. I love you. Oh, I say it all the time to both our own kids and to my students. I tell them, I say this to my own babies at home. I love you. Go away. And they do. They laugh and they say, thank you, Miss Music. And then they go away. Our kids get tired of us too. They do. Because we are very tough. Because there's special challenges that the boys have that make us need to have structure in place. Structure works well for them. They behave better when they have structure, blah, blah, blah. But right, that I think means that we have me. to. I'm done. <laughs> Invest the time and energy to create and then enforce that structure. It's exhausting, so I'm glad we have a break. Yay, break. You asked me this morning, what would you like to do today? And usually it's, you know, fix something at the house, go for a hike. No. And I said, nothing. And you said, good answer. (laughs) (laughs) I would like to do nothing. I have been sick and then I had to go to work. All right. Yeah, I think that's it for us. We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no-derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less-than-complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening! Do you want me to wait until he's done? No. Looking. No. The air. Freaking dog. <laughs> so go ahead and start just, with his father. When you're old, you'll probably be licking the air too, dear. <laughs>
if if I ever become that much of an annoyance, just throw me off the balcony. If you're 99 years old and licking the air, throw I'll me. be uh, way older than that, so. <laughs> <laughs> Do I need to move closer? No, you just need to not talk out the window. Sorry. <laughs> Look out the window while you're talking. <laughs> I thought I heard dinging. We have wind chimes, dear. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't hear it in that direction. That's why. Okay. I was hearing it in this ear. A gown to put on. And a she- what? A gown. A she- what? A gown. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.